A word for today, Lions Down's daily podcast to help you abide in Jesus by seeing to it that his word abides in you. Nothing could matter more. This isn't to replace your personal Bible reading and prayer, but rather encourage and help you in it. Welcome to A Word for Today. It's Monday the 15th of February, and we are still looking at 2 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to start by going back to the first three verses of chapter 2 so that we can just again remind ourselves of the context. Verse 1 says this, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Peter is writing to the Christian church that he loves. Uh, This is almost certainly uh, the last writing they got from him. It's his last will and testament. And his great concern is what the concern of any pastor would be, that uh, those who call themselves Christians really would be Christians, that they would have a real faith, that their faith would be something not that they put on from outside, but rather that shines out from the inner heart. And that is what would, of course, make their discipleship both uh, effective and fruitful and prevent them being blinkered and myopic. And he has pointed at the in the second half of chapter 1 of his letter, he's pointed to the written word of God as being the means by which this is brought about. Peter would have a lot to say to the modern charismatic, wouldn't he, who says, oh, I've had a special word from God. You've all got to listen to this special revelation that was given to me. Peter, I think, would say to them, look, (laughs) I heard God speak from the heavens whilst I was looking at the transfigured Lord Jesus. And I'm telling you that you have something in your hands, the Bible, the written word of God, that is more sure than that. So let's just get back to the written word of God that is in our hands and not turn aside to alternative authorities. And Peter has uh, made the case that uh, the written word of God is what kindles life in the heart. It is what stirs up the Christian believer to action. And it's what provides a firm, unshakable reference point, something that every Christian needs throughout their lives, particularly amidst the darkness and confusion of our world. And now in chapter 2, he's turned to the topic of false teachers. And the reason he's done that is because false teachers represent Satan's prime purpose in the spiritual battle. False teachers are Satan's agents to unsettle and undermine Christians' faith in the written word of God. That is their mission. They want to shake understanding of the word of God, to shake our trust in the written word of God. And we've seen that they are con artists, they are false in themselves, they are imposters, even though they are found within the boundaries of the ostensible evangelical church. We've seen that their method of operation is to smuggle, they are deceitful, 
they uh, indulge in trickery in bringing into the church doctrines that don't belong, smuggled undercover. And because they appeal to the human uh, fallen flesh, they are popular. They often have big followings. But what motivates them is personal advantage. They are greedy. They are ruthlessly and pitilessly exploitative of others, especially the vulnerable. And Peter has explained in chapter 2 that they actually blaspheme the gospel and they are headed for destruction. I want to pause for a moment on what we might say is their signature equipment. By signature equipment, we mean what distinguishes them as false teachers. In uh, anti-tank weaponry, it's very important that anti-tank gunners recognize the uh, tanks that they are shooting at so that they don't shoot at their own tanks, but they shoot only at enemy tanks. And to do that, they need to spend a lot of time looking at what it is that makes a particular tank distinctively one of the enemies and not one of ours. And Peter is doing the same with the signature equipment of false teachers. And it's already been mentioned here in verse 2 where he says there's sensuality, sensuality describing sexual immorality or vice. Uh, he goes on in verse 6 to refer to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's pr pretty explicit, isn't it? Then verse 7, he refers to their sensual conduct. In verse 10, he talks about those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion. In verse 14, he talks about they have eyes full of adultery. That's desires for illicit sexual activity, promiscuity. In verse 18, he talks about sensual passions of the flesh. And this particular characteristic of sexual immorality is the signature equipment of the false teacher. Not that they necessarily indulge in it themselves, but that they license it, they legitimize it for others. They allow it. And of course, that's what makes them popular because they seem to be liberators from the oppression of uh, uh, tradition and uh, conventional morality. But of course, that is anything the case, as we'll see. Uh, in this coming week. Uh, this idea of that distinctive, the sexual immorality distinctive of false teachers is borne out uh, in other places in the Bible. It is a common feature, and so we can see it, for example, in the little letter of Jude. What Jude writes in verse 4 is this, for certain people have crept in unnoticed. Do you notice that? He's describing exactly the same people, false teachers who creep in unnoticed, who long ago, writes Jude, were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality. That's the sexual immorality, the vice word. And deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. He says the same thing in Jude 7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire. That's literally other flesh that would embrace every kind of uh, inappropriate sexual practice which uh, the loving God has uh, forbidden because he loves his creatures and uh, knows what is best for them. And it goes on, uh, they serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. And then in Jude 8, 
He says, yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority and blaspheme the glorious ones. Do you see there that sexual immorality is kind of the identifying watchword of the false teacher? And it has been a theme running through the Church of England for at least a generation. Remember back in 1979, a report was produced entitled Homosexual Relationships. That's 42 years ago. Looking at the issue, opening it up for discussion to see is there any way that we can accommodate public movement in this area. Uh, that was followed by a report entitled Issues in Human Sexuality. And then its gripping sequel, uh, Some Issues in Human Sexuality. That was followed by the Pilling Report, also examining these issues of human sexuality. That was followed by Synod Motions, by Lambeth Conference Sexuality Resolutions, including uh, 121, I think it was. This has been followed by pastoral statements by the bishops regarding sexuality, and most recently, living in love and faith. Do you see what's going on? The Church of England is not taking God's word as a straight answer. It's going back again and again to re-examine the issue, and it will go on doing so until it gets the answer it wants, which is to conform to the public's wishes. If Balaam's sin was going back to God for a second answer, then the Church of England's sin is that magnified many times by unceasing repetition. So, there is the characteristic. And we've seen in verse 9 that God holds false teachers, verse 9, coming back to 2 Peter 2, under punishment until the day of judgment. We'll come back to this tomorrow as we return to this very, very important issue. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you teach us out of love in order to guard us from ruin in these things. And we pray that you would give us hearts really to understand what you say and to love it with all our hearts and minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A word for today, helping you abide in Jesus by seeing to it that his word abides in you. This podcast was brought to you by Lionsdown at lionsdown.org.